What is up, Cyclone Nation? A little bye week. Well, we're not... Summer series? Okay. We dropped the ball a little bit. Not purposely. There's just been a lot going on this year. Has uh, there? <laughs> the Sue Cup, uh, we're going to start calling... We have I have a game plan for this. The Legend Series is how we want to we wanna start to shift this thing. And man, we have a treat for you guys today. Presented by our good friends at Sue Cup Manufacturing. Um... Dan McCarney is coming on the podcast. Bloom and I uh, got a chance to spend about an hour with the legend. Bloom, was it everything you thought it would be oh, more? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I'm still kind of... Uh, are you ready to run through that uh, Yeah, five times. Yeah. It was it was everything you could imagine with Mac and more, so I'm pumped up. I want to give you guys a shout-out um, to our friends at Sukup Manufacturing who present the podcast. I want you guys go and check out goserveglobal.org slash gamedaybuild. That's goserve, G-O-S-E-R-V, global dot org slash game day build where they are doing a virtual uh, game day or they're doing a yeah virtual game day build of the suk up safety home remember last year bloom they, they did it right next to jack stadium they've had uh, great former um cyclones and hawkeyes like tim dwight sage rosenfels lindsey Fennelly, dallas clark george niang jeff horner stacy freeze monte morris naz long jeff woody ben bruns have helped out over the years and uh, couldn't do it this year. Obviously, there's no Cyhawk game. So they're holding a virtual one where Cyclone and Hawkeye fans can chip in towards uh, building these hurricane-proof homes in safety homes, that is, in Haiti. And we That's can continue time. on yeah. the rivalry for a great cause. So, again, that is G-O-S-E-R-V global dot O-R-G slash game day build. And uh, chip in on the behalf of the Cyclones. There'll be a video. I'm posting it up on the Cyclone Fanatic Twitter and Facebook page. You can go and learn more. Also, today's podcast presented by our friends, uh, Dr. Wormy and Dr. Greenwald, orthopedic surgeons with the McFarland Clinic. They are, uh, Bloom, you know these guys, just phenomenal wow. human beings. They, Good friends with Dan McCarney as well. Yeah, and they take care more, uh, than more than just the Cyclones. They do. I mean, they, actually, my, my dad went and saw Dr. Warmy. Oh, um, there you go. Is your dad okay? His, yeah, he's just had like a shoulder thing uh, going. Okay. He wanted to improve his golf swing, and so Dr. Warmy got him checked out, and I think, uh, yeah. So, they again, they're literally the best in the business in Iowa, and, just and they can help you out too. Guys, amazing humans. They've been so good to us here at Cyclone Fanatic. All this stuff that you guys get to take in, the Sunday night podcast, the all, all the coverage that Jared and Rob have for you, um, it is, it's not cheap. We have to pay bills, um, and our advertisers are the reason why we are still here, as are you guys and our, our patrons and our premium members. So we thank you. Um, please support our advertisers. And today's Sue Cup, uh, the Legend Series, kind of starting right now. We're going to have more information on that as I continue to build it out. But this is a dream come true for Bloom and me. Uh, we were around in 2003 is when we got to Iowa State. Bloom had chronicled and watched the Iowa State program long before that. But really the um, – I would call the modern day era of Iowa State football was when yeah Dan McCarney was hired. Yep, uh, really, I think ninety eight on would be the modern era of Iowa State right, football. Yeah, so football is when it started. Ninety, maybe from, even two thousand. Yeah, if you wanted just success, I mean, Mac was hired in ninety five, and I think it comes full circle in this podcast. Um, and Mac tells it better than any of us could. Of without 
what he did were not at this stage now with Iowa State football. I think there's no doubt about it. Uh, to steal could, a Mac phrase. Could not be more happy with how this turned out. And we thank Coach Mac um, and all of you guys for listening. As always, a reminder to please rate, review, and subscribe to the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network wherever you guys get your podcast. All right. Here it is, the much-anticipated Cyclone Fanatic Summer Series exclusive interview with the living legend, former Iowa State head coach, Dan McCarney. <laughs> All right, Bloom. Well, this is a um, this is a special moment for us. A guy who we've both looked up to for a really long time, and uh, it's just awesome to get him here on on the podcast. We welcome the great Dan McCarney. What's up, Coach? How you doing today, Bud? Hey guys, really good, really good. I know the temperature's starting to drop up there in the Midwest. I don't feel sorry for you, and uh, we're still sunny and ninety down here in Sarasota, Florida. Sarasota. That's exactly where I was going. I thought you were in Florida. Is that you got? Are, is that where retirement's going for for Coach Mac? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a home here for twenty years. It's been our getaway, and a little did I know there for a while where I was going to be working in Tampa and, and Gainesville, right. but it's worked out great, and uh, we love it down here. I, I fell in love with Sarasota back in the seventies, but we've had a home down here for over twenty years. So um, I, I just I, I miss the people of Iowa. I really do uh, the friends and. And, and so many great memories, but I don't miss those winners up in Ames, Iowa, I promise you. I'm thinking of a couple of games that were a little chilly, I think, involving K-State, Colorado coach that you probably don't miss. But how, how does uh, how does Coach Mack watch football these days? I mean, do you, uh. do you watch like a coach or do you watch, uh, you know, to be entertained? Uh, how do you take in Iowa State games and other games? Yeah, just I'm, I'm a fan all the way. You know, I've, I've been a little limited this year, obviously, with the – with the uh, virus going around, but I've done a lot of traveling the last few years and been got a, got a chance to go to lots of places and watch games and be there in person. And, and uh, you know, I never realized you always ride those buses and you go through the tailgate and you kind of think, well, they must be having fun. They must be having fun. I can tell you firsthand, now, it's a hell of a lot of fun going to tailgate. <laughs> <out here. laughs> but, but we've got a place, there's a place right here in Sarasota, Florida, of all places, um, there's a cyclone flag up in a bar here called Gecko's Bar Restaurant, and there's probably 50, I'd guess 45 to 50 Cyclone fans get together for every televised home game uh, or away games, and they come in there cheering, and uh, once in a while, Mark and I run over there, And uh, but I just enjoy it, you know, this, the profession I was in all those years, it's a, it's a profession of relationships, and I still have lots of coaches that I coached with, or they were on my staff, I coached against that are still out there. And you just love uh, being able to watch these teams and cheer for them and not get too upset when they call damn interference or holding. <laughs> yeah. Actually, it, it's weird that you said that because I was watching the Texas-Oklahoma game on, on Saturday, and it, Tom Herman was here um, under Coach Rhodes, but so was Chris Ash, a long time. He's a damn McCarney guy. Like, I, I think of Chris Ash is a damn McCarney guy, and I saw him on the sidelines, and I was just like, man, because Herman's staff – like 50% of it are guys who have come through Iowa state. And then I, I thought like, man, like I remember coach Ash is, wasn't he your recruiting coordinator or I know he was your defensive backs coach. What, like I, I'm just trying to think back there in the early two thousands. Yeah. I brought it, you know, we had that, I had that connection going with Rob Ash and Drake guys. Yep. And I brought in some phenomenal guys. And every time he got a phone call from me, he was going, Oh, uh -oh. BS. Why is Matt 
again because I was going to hire another one of those guys to come in and be another graduate assistant for me. I ended up having nine of them, I think. Wow. Charlie Partridge and yeah. and Chris and uh, Sean Coughlin and Bo Beck. And, I mean, just a great lineup. Like, all these guys just did a phenomenal job. Well, Chris and I brought in, he worked at one of our camps. You know, Mike Woodley headed up my camps for me. Yeah. We had no camps when I Iowa State in 95. We'd build them to have over six to 700 every year that would come in our seven-on-seven camps and our padded camps. And then it, it blew up and uh, got up over 1,000. We really had great numbers. But anyway, Chris and I came up, worked at camp. Then we knew of him. Then we liked him. Then we brought him in as a graduate assistant. Then I started giving him more responsibilities. I just wanted him involved. And Chris Ike was one of those guys you could never give him too much to do. You could never give him too many responsibilities. And then finally, um, hired him when Bobby Elliott left uh, to go to his defensive coordinator down to Kansas State with Bill Snyder. Then I promoted him full-time. But we stayed in touch. He brought me into Rutgers. Obviously, he's going through a tough time right now at Texas. But that was one of those guys that I had Paul Rhodes and I had Chris Ash, I had Charlie Partridge yep. uh, that were all became head coaches. You just knew that guy was going to be successful. Um, He's going to have a rocket tied to his rear end and be real successful in the profession. Well, Mac, you mentioned your coaches and what it was like when you first got to Iowa City. I think that's part of the thing we wanted to get into here is, you know, how steep of a challenge it really was. And it's really remarkable looking back at it. But so just to tie it back to another one of your coaches, my dad grew up in Marshalltown with Steve Loney and they were good buddies. And I remember going with Steve when you guys first started up on that staff and checking out the facilities. And I, I want to say that the office was either at State Gym or Byer Hall. I mean, it was just, I mean, it's ridiculous if you think about it, of, of what, what the facility is really like. Did you understand what the challenge was when you got to Ames and how steep of a hill you had to climb? No, no, I didn't. I really didn't, you know. And I recruited and coached against uh, Iowa State uh, when I was with Coach Fry all those years at Iowa. We played Iowa State twice when I was a defensive coordinator with Barry Alvarez, sure. and we were turning that program. In fact, I still got a game ball when we beat Iowa State, and it was seven to six. Now you talk about an offensive <laughs> firework, seven to six, and I got a game ball because we were just trying to learn how to win at Wisconsin. Uh, obviously, Iowa, Wisconsin, Iowa State. People today now go. They were down. They were bad. Yeah, they were horrible. All three of them. Iowa lost for 20-some years. Wisconsin hadn't been to a Rose Bowl since 1962, and Iowa State had never won a bowl game in 100 years, and they were winless. Uh, in fact, as you guys remember, uh, we, when we played our first game, Iowa State, Ohio University. Yeah, the Donut Bowl. That was labeled the Donut Bowl. Yes. The only two teams that were winless the year before. But I didn't know how bad. You know, thank God, one of the great hires, in all the uh, history of Iowa State athletics, I'm telling you, was Gene Smith. Mm-hmm. Um, not because he hired me, but because he understood when he got there, the, the fundraising and the facilities were in the dark ages, guys. And people nowadays, you go over there and it's the Taj Mahal, thank, thankfully, because of through the years and the generosity and the organization and the leadership now from Gene Smith and Bruce Vandeveld and Jamie Pollard. Now you go in, in my lifetime, for the first time since in my lifetime, Iowa State, when they get through the, the latest edition of facilities, will have as good of facilities as Iowa. And I've been through all of them in both schools. Never have they been as good at the University of Iowa. Now they will be with this latest edition uh, when it's done. But no, I had no idea. I had no idea there was no Letterman's Club. There was no Hall of Fame. There was no uh, Cyclone Gridiron. The fundraising was a joke. My, one of my buddies, and you mentioned Steve Loney, who's one of the great coaches that I was ever around as an assistant or a head coach or one of the all-time great people and one of the great coaches in the history of college football and the NFL, 
I had a buddy named Brant Yoken. We were both captains at Iowa. We were roommates. We were teammates with Bobby Elliott. He shows up the first day, and he played at Sheraton High School before we played together and were teammates at Iowa. He shows up the first day on the job. I showed him around quick because I'm trying to put together a staff. I get my first opportunity to be a head coach, and he walks in and out of the facilities, and he goes, Mac, i got to be honest with you. I think we got better facilities at Sheraton High School. (laughs) In all honesty, I mean, that's really where it was. So you talk about starting from scratch. And before we got to the state gym where we were for a while as – as we were building the Jacobson building, right. we were in that other old building. And I remember the first day on the job, I pick up two dozen donuts, bring them in, put them on the table. I'm going to take care of the secretaries. I'm going to take care of Carl, the janitor, all of them. And I'm in my office answering the phone call. Come out after about 30 minutes, there's a damn mouse sitting on top of my donuts out there <laughs> chewing away the donuts. I'm going, oh. Oh, okay, I guess we got a ways to go with this one, but. I'll never forget where we started. I'll always be proud of what we accomplished. I surrounded myself with so many winners and high character and high integrity, just like Matt Campbell has around him right now at Iowa State. But the people that step in there now and the people that many of the people that are there now um, that weren't around when we started really have no idea. They, they, they can hear winless. They can hear losing. They can hear no bowl games. They can hear. But unless you were there and you experienced it, they really have no idea. Matt, and it's not to pat myself. Yeah. It's just to tell you, incredible, incredible uh, uh, improvement that we made, and we'll always be proud of that. Yeah, I Mac, I was having lunch with a guy yesterday. He actually used to be Cy. He was on the Spirit Squad back in the day uh, when you were first getting started. And he he told me, I want to see if you remember doing stuff like this, because I've, I've heard um, when Brent and I get to go on the road with your dear friend Bill Finnelly, Bill's told us stories about trying to get people to come to his games right. when he first got there. But um, my friend Ryan told me, because I told him we were going to interview you today, and he said that one day the phone rang at his fraternity, and he picked up the phone, and it was Dan McCarney. And you were like, hey, can I come over, um, maybe bring some dinner or something? And you basically showed up at their fraternity that night and sold them on buying some tickets to to come to the game on Saturday. And I believe that may have been the Ohio game because he said he rode the um, goalpost all the way to Lake to Laverne after that big win. But do you you, you remember recruiting people just not to come play for you, but to go and watch your games? Oh, yeah. And what I did was I I, I set it up and just, you know, God God bless Melanie Shane, my secretary back then, because – I said, listen, I want to get out and I want to touch base and I want to get into every fraternity or sorority. And if we can blend them together, if I have to go individually to all of them, but I want to, I really just got on my knees and just begged them to start coming to games. And I know it's been bad and I know it's not been fun and I know there hasn't been success, but if we don't have the enthusiasm and the passion and the love and the energy from the students, we'll never have a chance to turn this place around. So that's what I did, and I, I don't know that I got in all of them, but I got in most of them, and uh, I was working with the, the, the people that, that ran the dormitories, and if you if you reach out and grab the students and let them know how much they mean to your program, that's what I tried to do, and as we turned that program around and we started getting them to come back, and the TDO meter started, and we started getting, it took some time, but it all began with those students and the enthusiasm and excitement. So when I watch games now, whether I'm in person or watch it on television in a normal season, not this year, and you see those students hanging from the rafters, it just put, gives me damn goosebumps. 
you, you mentioned the TDO meter, and man, the, I, I remember being at the game against Ohio, and you know we'd heard of Troy Davis because he had the kick return for a touchdown the year prior, and he was this decorated recruit from Miami. But coach, speak to the recruiting job it took to keep Troy at Iowa State because I, that, the, the legend is he wanted to go back home, you know, once he saw some snow, and then. How important was Troy? <laughs> you know, you, you because yeah, I remember being just fascinated by Troy, and he gave your program, it felt like, some buzz and some presence. And then those trips to New York City as part of the Heisman campaign uh, were more marketing than you could pay for. No question. I mean, you, you hit it right on the head. And when there's been nothing positive about Iowa State football and the people around the country don't even know who the damn Cyclones are, to get anything positive going, well, um, TD was, he was his bags were packed. That's a fact. This is not some uh, uh, gossip and some rumors and some stories. That was the real deal. His bags were packed. I don't blame him. Things were bad. It was winless. Um, he didn't even hardly get on the field. Right. Uh, the last game of the year, Coach Walden was suspended. He did take a kickoff back, as you mentioned, against Colorado for a touchdown. But he didn't even hardly even play that year. So he was disenchanted. He was disgusted. He was discouraged. He was ready to go back to Miami. All I did was, you know, I met with every player one-on-one, uh, and it wasn't like I had, okay, here's this guy that's going to be a Heisman <laughs> finalist someday. You better get him to stay back. He hadn't played. He hadn't even been on the field. Yeah. But I met with every one of those players, and I said, listen, I've heard a lot of good things about you. I've not had a chance to watch any tape, but I am going to tell you this much. If you're a running back, we're going to run the damn football. Now, uh, here's how we want to do it. And one of the best things I ever could have done was hire Steve Loney. Uh, we're going to run the football TD, and I'm going to give you that opportunity. And long story short, basically I was saying, listen, give me a chance in my staff this winter. Give me a chance this spring. Take it through spring football. Take it through a semester. Give me an opportunity to build some respect and build some relationships here and build some trust. See what it's like. And then if you want to leave after that, I'll sign the papers. But just give me a chance. He went home. He talked to his parents that night. He came in the next day, and he had a big old damn grin on his face. He said, Coach, we'll give you a chance. I'm going to stay. And the rest is history, as they say. Man, well, most people have no idea. That, I mean, I didn't I didn't yeah. know that the bags were packed like that. Well, that, and then the fact, Oh, yeah. And, wow. And, and, you, and then they go on, and then here yeah. comes ESPN, and right. here, comes, yeah. here comes all the national media because of what he's accomplishing. And we're not quite winning enough games yet, and we didn't get to the winning seasons yet. We didn't get to the bowl games. But here's a guy that did something that hadn't been done in 100 years, and I've been gone since 2000, or Troy's been gone since 1996, it was his last year, and it still hasn't been done two years in a row of over 2,000 yards. Pretty incredible, pretty amazing. Yeah, and he did it in 11 games, too, which I think is often yeah. forgot. I mean, some, these guys now are getting 13, 14 games with bowl games and championship games, so uh, it's still the best running back I've ever seen. Different though. era of college football, too. I mean, just you weren't. There weren't well, these spread offenses everywhere with the defenses having to try and stop those things. I mean, people were running the ball. Well, yeah, and Coach, speak to that. I mean, you, people knew you were running the ball with Troy, and yet the guy could still get six, seven bucks a pop whenever he wanted. It was amazing. Just amazing. And it was a real good offensive system, obviously, under the leadership of Steve. But, but they knew it. And, and it wasn't like we were going to come out there and zing the ball 40 or 50 times. But, but the durability, the consistency, the productivity, the toughness, he was in, in amazing, incredible, just incredible. But it's so cool. And Margie and I, my wife, I got to go out when he was inducted in the Hall of Fame, in the College Hall of Fame out in New York. What an unbelievable honor for Iowa State, for Troy and his family. 
And then I went down and recruited Darren Davis to come mm-hmm. up because we'd heard a lot of good things about it. Fortunately, they were really close. And and Double D comes in. How about seven thousand yards between yeah. the two brothers, the same family, out of that same household down in Miami, Florida? And then we went on and signed Jason. Unfortunately, he didn't qualify right. in the end with his test scores. But that was the third brother. What am I going to do? Say no to him? And it'd be like <laughs> saying no to a stoop in Iowa. You get another stoop coming along, go sign the damn kid, you know? <laughs> and uh, but incredible careers those guys had. And, and so proud and so honored that I got to coach both those Davis brothers. So on the recruiting front, uh, you know, that 2000 senior class was so special. But you would have recruited those guys in 95, 96 when things weren't very special. How did you convince, and, and Chris and I have gotten to know, guys like Sage and, of course, Ben Bruns and J.J. Moses and those guys. But how did you even convince those guys with where the facilities were? The By the way, the Big 8 and the Big 12 are still very good. Um, there was not any tradition. There's none of these things, and yet you were able to get. And what was it? Bill Marsaw was the first one that really shifted the tide of, you know, how do you convince these guys who are being recruited by Iowa and other places to sign up with you? It had to be monumental. Well, I mean, you know, was uh, I remember going in when uh, Gene Smith brought me in, and I didn't know he had interviewed me in, in Madison, Wisconsin. We had it rocking and rolling up there, obviously, after taking over a down program, and we were one in ten our first year at Wisconsin. And we, but we built it right. And uh, uh, that's a long story short. I got Gene Smith uh, that had called Barry to talk to me, and you hear about all these fancy interview places and the airports and the hotels and the suites here. Gene Smith flew into Madison, Wisconsin. We interviewed for three and a half hours at a Denny's in Madison, Wisconsin. That's where we interviewed. And uh, things must have gone well enough that he wanted to bring me into campus. And I remember going in and uh, walking into Dr. Jiski's um, conference room, and there was a whole bunch of people in there, Gary Thompson and Gene Smith and, and the president, and lots and lots of dignitaries. And I remember saying to all of them, there's going to be some things I'm going to tell you that you probably don't want to hear. There's going to be some things you probably do want to hear. And you may, I don't know where I'm in on this list If I'm number one or I'm number 20, but I'm going to tell like it is because this has been the issue. And the first issue I addressed was recruiting because being on the other end of it and having most of the state of Iowa recruiting for Hayden Fry all those years against Iowa State, yep. whenever Iowa State showed up, I always felt like they put up a white flag and they weren't going to go toe-to-toe and nose-to-nose with Iowa and try and fight and scratch and claw to get the best players in the state of Iowa. When I took the job at Iowa State, I don't know if we can, but I'm sure still going to try. And my Iowa roots and my respect for the Iowa high school coaches and the Iowa high school football players, you damn right we're going to recruit the kids in the state of Iowa. And that was the first one, as you mentioned. Bill Marsaw was the first one from Hudson, Iowa. There wasn't one guy on the team when I got there that had said no to Iowa to come to Iowa State. Not one. Let me tell you something. There's something wrong with that. You can come up with all the excuses you want in, in America and back in those days. Not one had said no. Wow. So somebody had to be the person that just happened to be Bill Marsaw that said no to Hayden Fry to come in with us. Um, I remember in Dr. Jiski's home because I asked him to help out, and he had a real nice uh, brunch lunch uh, the first weekend we brought all those guys in. Billy Marsaw's mom's there. Billy Marsaw's grandma's there. Gra- grandma Marsaw, unbelievable lady, says to Dr. Jiski, are you going to start spending some money around here from uh, uh, at Iowa State like they do over at Iowa? Because I was recruiting the hell out of Bill Marsaw, too. Like Seth, the number of them later on, obviously, and through the years, we had to give those guys, uh, the young men and the young people in the state of Iowa, a reason to want to come to Iowa State because you can get a great education, world class. We're going to win. We're going to put you in situations where you can have this incredible career and make some memories you want to relive the rest of your life. But those days of 
of every kid in the state of Iowa going to Iowa City were over. And it never happened again as long as the 12 years that I was there where every kid in the state that was offered by Iowa and Iowa State, all of them went to Iowa. Never happened again. Pretty incredible. The um, I mean, we can talk. There's, there's a lot of things to go through. The... Um the 1998 game against Iowa. I know that that that's a memorable one. The, you know, I was right around for the, the five game win streak over Iowa. The, the 2002 game obviously is a, um, the one Legendary, that everybody right? remembers, but Mac, I, I, let me ask you this. Cause you know, I've run cyclone fan sites now for 16 years and I'm now like the, I'm a, I'm a cyclone guy on radio in Des Moines where I'm constantly like hearing it from Iowa fans, right? And I, I would love to get your perspective on this because the, the damn Iowa fans, uh, when they, they go, oh, that's all you guys care about is beating Iowa, right? They, I'm sure you've heard that, but, like, it was so important for you to turn the thing around. Can you put it into perspective, like, what, 1998 and, and breaking that, what was it, 18? 15? 15 15-game losing yeah. streak was. Like, can you put that yeah. into perspective for the, for the morons who – who, who run their yaps about that. First of all, I, I was on the, I was on both sides of it. So right. how cool is that? I get right. coaching 25. I would say Iowa game. It, it, it's just amazing. I mean, and it was renewed in 1977. I was a um, part-time coach. Tom Hayes and I were both par- part-time coaches with Bob Cummings. And, and that might've been the most intense, the biggest buildup that I'd ever seen. Cause we hadn't played for 40 some years, as you guys know. But this, this this thought that it means more to the Iowa State people. I mean, I was on the other side of that, as I mentioned, many times. And there was never a day or a week or a season where we didn't put a lot of emphasis on that game. We knew how important it was at Iowa, just like we knew how important it was at Iowa State. I'm not buying that stuff. I was on both ends of it, in the trenches, year-round, coaching, recruiting, developing, trying to bring out the best in everyone around me. Uh, on both in both programs, trying to help and contribute, do everything I could, and it was never more emphasis at Iowa State than it was in Iowa. It was always real important, and I remember getting beat by Iowa State three times when Donnie Duncan was there, hmm. and how horrible it was on the other end, hmm. coaching for Coach I. And uh, even the year we went in '81 in the Rose Bowl, we beat Nebraska, who was loaded with talent, one of the great wins in the history of Iowa football before the Iowa State loss, and we beat UCLA, ranked in the top ten on the other end of it. But in between, we got our tails kicked up between our shoulder blades in Ames, Iowa by Iowa State. And I'll never forget how hard that was. Nobody wanted to go back into the office the next day after that one with Coach Fry. So the emphasis has always been there. Believe me, guys. Uh, It's just so much fun to be a part of it all those years. And there's a lot of things I miss. That's one of them. To, to To be a part of that and to coach in that, the honor to coach in that and represent those two schools playing each other. And thankfully now, because we stopped the 15 years of nonsense and the butt chickens <laughs> and the humiliation and, and turned it into a, a rivalry again, and we went on to win six of the next nine. Um, and that was in really good years, tough years. Uh, it, it, oh, that's the only game they care about. No, it was years when we beat Iowa and we beat Nebraska and we beat Texas Tech and we beat AM. You know, some great years. Um, we went on. To, I was a part of it when we didn't have good years and we beat Iowa. I was years when we lost to Iowa and we still went on and had good years. But it's just an incredible experience to be part of it. And the emphasis on both sides is really, really, really strong. You don't think Kirk Ferentz wants to keep the winning streak going? Yeah, yeah. Whatever years he's got left, how much time he's got, and the dominance that he's shown now over Iowa State, you don't think he, that's important to him? you damn right it is, guys. And I was with Kirk for 10 years at Iowa as assistant. 
and it's real important to both places, but it was just so much fun to finally do it in 98. I was texting back and forth with Kevin Wilson the other day until a lot of the average Iowa State fans may not remember. As I told him, I said, hey, Will, I'll never forget. That might have been one of the biggest plays in the turnaround of the Iowa State-Iowa series and turned it back into a rivalry. He blocks a punt because we sold our guys that we could get a punt that day. Not only win the game that we were uh, underdogs by 29 points, but we can get a blocked punt. And Kevin Wilson was the one. Huge play. Darren Davis runs for over 200 yards. Defense plays great. And I'll never forget coming back in and bringing those buses back into Jack Trice Stadium. And the sea of people and people going nuts. And I, it was one of the most gratifying days in my life. I'm, I'm sure Coach Loney will listen to this. He listens to a lot of what we do. Uh, and he's going to correct me if I'm wrong here. I think he told me, Brent, on a podcast a couple years ago that I did with him um, that Hayden Fry used to deliberately run it up on Iowa State just to make life hell on the recruiting trail for the Cyclones. Do you remember that? Like when you were on Hayden's staff and I mean, or if you're on the other end of it, like, do you, do you, do you consciously like remember that being a thing? No, no, I don't really be be honest with you guys. But if if coach Fry could whack you and take you behind the woodshed, he was going to do it. Now, let let me tell you, (laughs) no doubt about it. Guys. I remember Tim Dwight's senior year and uh, we're getting humiliated still zinging the ball to Tim Dwight in, in, in the end of the game. Before the, I've got about 60 points that day on us, and, and he told me afterwards, Mac, I apologize. I'm sorry. We didn't mean to score that many points. And I know what Coach Yes, I did. And if I can keep kicking your tail between your shoulder blades, Mac, I love you. I respect you. But if I can keep humiliating you, I want to do it. Uh-huh. Um, there's no doubt. Well, I- all part of the process, we had to draw the line in the sand and plant our feet and say enough is enough. And that 98 team with Todd Bandauer and, yep. and, and uh, that whole crew, Darren Davis and that bunch, said, yes, this is what we're going to do. And, and from then on, I, I, there's a lot of things I'll never forget and things I'll always remember and so many things of those 12 years of Iowa State I'll always cherish. But stopping that nonsense of 15 years and getting embarrassed and humiliated and laughed at, that was one of the great things I'll always remember. And uh I'll always appreciate and respect every one of those players and coaches and everything they did to turn that thing around. And now America, here we got college game day a year ago, college game day, it's a great robbery. I'll always just appreciate all those guys around me that I surrounded myself with to turn that thing back into a rivalry that's alive and well today. Well, Mac, one part of that, and I've Ben Bruns has shared the story with me, but I believe it was a, the starting center for you guys. It was at Mark Cortez who had an injury the week prior and couldn't play. And I think that's the untold story um, of what happened in the locker room before that game, right? He had written a letter and, and, and maybe tell the story because I think it's, it's I mean, it's perfect. Um, really a setup for what I think was one of the biggest single important games in Iowa State history. Yeah, you know, Mark Cortez, uh, we recruited to Bobby Karski, was uh, my recruiting coordinator, was from Chicago. We ended up um, recruiting Mark Cortez, loved him, hard-nosed, tough, blue-collar, nothing fancy, just exactly what you want, just high character, uh, uh, team guy all the way, uh, uh, tough, coachable, loyal, uh, all those things. And, and uh, Steve Loney's coaching the heck out of that offensive line. And unfortunately, you know, some things happen sometimes with guys' careers and they go, you know, everybody's going to get hurt and banged up yep. now and then. There's minor, but Tezzy had all these serious injuries, shoulders, knees, 
And finally, he had one last major injury and uh, could not play anymore. It was the week of the Iowa game. And he wrote this letter to Joe Parmentier, who was his roommate, um, and 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 I, Joe Pye read it to gave it to me and said, "Here, Mac, I did, this is something that uh, Mark Cortez had written to me." And I said, "Here, let me. This is what I'm do, Joe Pye. I'm going to read this to the team." I said, "I want I want to read this to the team and put this whole thing in perspective because it's easy to take things for granted that we all do in life. It, it's easy to just come along and go. You know what? I, this it hurts. That hurts. This is hard. Coaches are gnawing on my rear end. This is this is too much to." Ask. And then you read that and it puts it really in perspective. And I, I, that team was so motivated and really dedicated their efforts to Mark Cortez that day. And he really, really helped us turn that program, turn that game, that series around yep. and helped us turn that program around by sitting down, putting his thoughts on paper, dedicating his thoughts to his teammates, um, how much it meant because he couldn't be out there to fight and scratch and claw and try to win with them. And I read it to the team and I'll never forget it. But I'm going to tell you what, I don't know there was a drive. I don't know. There was a dry eye in the room, and boy, those kids were not going to be denied that day. And it was about 95 in the shade. I'll never forget one of the hottest days in any stadium. I've been to that place many times as a player and a coach. And now, you know, those years as a coach trying to go over and win games. And uh, I'll, I'll never forget that atmosphere and the feeling. And just to be able to bring some hope and some success and some and some winning back to that rivalry for the Iowa State fans. Let's go, uh, Coach, to 2000. Uh, Insight.com Bowl, uh, nine wins, school record. Uh, I was not at that one, but I, I have only heard legendary stories of some pep rally before the game. Like, were there. So we, we went back in 2009 when, when Coach Rhodes was there, and I remember. Um, that was after a dry spell and we were at some old like ghost town that hosted the pep rally and it literally ran out of beer. Like there was no beer left at this place, but I've always been told by people who were at both that this insight.com bowl pep rally before the game was just one of the, yeah, that was, it was like 50,000 yeah, people craziest parties. What do you, what do you remember about that pep rally coach? Yeah, I'm telling you it, it was, and, and you know, I've been to plenty of pep rallies before and, we had a lot of them in Iowa and at Wisconsin, and we've been in the Rose Bowls at Iowa and Wisconsin. I mean, I had some pretty good comparisons and, and, and some phenomenal bowl sites and some incredible fan support and energy and those things. I'm telling you, that night, it, it was something. It, it was just, it was, it had been so long that we were able to do something really special. And that group of seniors, Sage and Brunzi and Reggie Hayward, James Reed and Hark and all, I mean the list of JMO, those guys, yeah. they bought in. They believed. They at a time when there, we really didn't have anything to show them. There was no track record. I didn't have a a, 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 a track record as a head coach. Uh, none of us had done anything together at Iowa State. So, but to come in and to believe and to buy in and 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 and, and it was just here we're gonna here's what we're gonna do, boys. Uh, it's real common to see unsuccessful people with a lot of talent, but it's going to take persistence and consistency and buying in and believing. Um, and someday maybe we're going to do something that you'll want to talk to your kids and your grandkids about. And thankfully we were able to do that led by that senior group and they pep rally that night. It was incredible. We knew there was a big crowd, but you, the, the bus pulling up to it, when we brought the team from the hotel. Phenomenal. I was able to bring my family. I remember my parents now that have both passed the joy that they had being there and being a part of it, the coaches, families, the players, families, 
in this amazing, uh, uh, unique situation of not being in a bowl game in decades and not winning a bowl game in the Never, history of the right. school and then go to play. You know, that year, guys, and I'll shut up, but I remember my seniors as we were finishing our, our camp that year in two days. And I said, okay, I want to listen to your input. I don't want BS. I want to hear from the heart what you want to have as your goals this year. And then I'll listen to them. I'll talk about it with the staff. And then I'll come in here and we'll lay them out for this whole football team. And as we went through that meeting, I had these seniors get up and talk from the heart and talk with passion and talk with respect for one another that we can do these things. Doug Densmore, my defensive back, uh, one of the hard-nosed, tough, toughest guys. Bobby Elliott loved coaching him. Just exactly what you want in college football. Give you everything you got, every snap, and, and uh, light your ass up every time he got a chance to hit. He got up and said, Mac, here's what I want to do. Everybody in this room, Ames, Iowa in December is going to be really, really cold. I want to go somewhere hot in December. I want to get to a damn bowl game and go somewhere hot in December. So as we went through the whole thing, I came in a few days later. I had a big thermometer made, big, big tall one. And then I had our foundation at the bottom, which was the winter workouts and spring football and the commitment they'd made that summer, and then laid the goals out. And at the top of it was go somewhere hot in December. And we took that thing with us all the way down to Phoenix, Arizona, (laughs) because that's where we ended up getting to go and go experience that first bowl win. Uh, those guys were unbelievable. They were incredible with their commitment and being able to do something they can always look back on. Nobody had ever done it in 100 years in Iowa State football. Somebody had to be the first, and that was the group. And in that game, Mac, J.J. Uh, Moses goes out with, he, I think he got popped pretty good. Um, and so he was your punt returner, and he was, he was electric all season long. And what you put, little-known Jermaine Billups, and, and what do you remember about that play as uh, number six was scampering down the sideline? Wow. I mean, it was just, it was, I mean, it was University of Pittsburgh and Walt Harris and that crew, they had some cats now. It was a damn yeah, good football right. team. We knew that going into it. But we also knew we were going for nine wins and trying to be part of history in, the, in, in, in Iowa State football. Um, J-Mo was, was one of the best I'd ever been around. Obviously, you know, too short, too small, but he's a Moses. He's like right, his dad. Right. He's like his father. And his mom was the toughest one in the family. And, and all the boys would tell you that. He had all these other incredible things and had such a great senior year and then went on to have this phenomenal career in the NFL. Still big, huge part of the Houston Texans football program now. But he goes out, and then what a lot of people don't know is the backup was Adam Rung. That uh, was our backup pumper okay. guy from Stillwater, Minnesota. He got hurt. I think he flipped an ankle. I think it was an ankle. He gets hurt. So we're going to our third, which was Jermaine Billups. And here's a young guy when one of the toughest things you can ever do in the game of football, as we all know, is catch a punt. They're coming down. They're screaming at you. They're yelling at you. They're trying to get you to drop it. And we're getting ready to put Jermaine Billups in. And I'm telling my guys, Mike Woodley was in charge of those guys. I said, hey, just steal the ball. Just steal the ball. Take care of the ball. Take care of the I must have said it seven or eight times. Just take care of the ball. And as he comes screaming down our sideline, I'm going, take care of the ball. And I'm going, no, take it to the house. Take it to the house. Take it to the house. If he did. And it was one of the big, biggest plays in the history of Iowa State football to go help us win that first bowl game. I'll never forget it. I, I remember being there, Mac, and it was just, I mean, it was surreal, really, because my whole lifetime I'd never seen Iowa State in a bowl game, and I was, what was I, 16 at the time, and, I mean, I didn't think it was possible. And, I mean, I think that just meant so much to Iowa State fans because here's something that, that they never thought was possible, and it was happening right in front of their eyes. And, I mean, on that point, how did, how did you stay optimistic through a couple of tough years 
and I'm sure the patience of Gene Smith as well of, you know, giving you the time to get your program rebuilt. And it was, it was such dire conditions when you took over. How, how are you relentlessly so optimistic to, to keep, you know, pounding away and, and rebuilding that thing? Yeah, you know, I just I just believed in the heart and soul, you know, from experience in that at Iowa because they'd lost for 20-some years. Wisconsin hadn't been in the bowl game for decades, and they hadn't been to the Rose Bowl since 1962. Our athletic director, Pat Richter, was a, played on that Rose Bowl team. And if you can experience those things and go from horrible and ridiculous and losers to winners, and you've experienced it, these are the things that you have to do. And I, 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 I knew I had the blueprint and I knew I had the right coaches around me. I knew I had an AD that was be- believed in what we were doing and they were small steps and they were little steps, but they were positive steps. And through it all, I just never doubted. I, I knew if I had, if I wasn't the ray of, ray of hope, who the hell was going to be. Huh. Um, but at the same time, there's just this a reward, this deep feeling of accomplishment that you can only get in that locker room when you do something that's never been done or hadn't been done in a long time. And that's what I always kept in the back of my mind. We want to build a new tradition of honor, a new tradition of success, a new tradition of, 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 of everything we do is going to be done with class and integrity. We're going to make mistakes. I'm sure there were plenty of fans that maybe didn't want to see me. I know there were some that didn't want to see me hired because I heard enough of that when I got hired. Why the hell are we bringing a Hawkeye into this program? Sure. I heard enough of that. And along the way, there were probably some of them that said, well, let's move on. It's time. But the patience of, of Gene Smith and Dr. Jiski, because they saw those things, the academics, being involved in the community, the hard work, making sure they understood. Uh, I, want these, I want people to respect who we are. I want them to respect our program, our football team, our players, our style. I wanted to respect our helmet. Um, and there was just, there was no doubt that we started to become a rallying point on that campus um, for fans and sports and athletics and all of them. But it was so cool. And you mentioned him earlier, guys, but a lot of people don't realize this. Billy Bentley and I got hired at the mm-hmm. same time. Billy mm-hmm. got there just shortly before I did. And now you go, okay, we're in there. Here, here he is, one of the all-time great coaches in the history of women's basketball. And we're... <laughs> We're in the top 10 every year in attendance in Ames, Iowa, of all places, in women's basketball, in the top 10 in attendance. There was probably two or 300 coming to games when he first got there. The football was a joke. Women's basketball was a joke. We built them together. We helped one another. We supported one another. We tried to help each other recruiting. We helped each other through the toughest of times and the best of times. And there, there were times when you just didn't know how many friends you really had. Yeah. And to have somebody like Bill Finley, because I knew how special he was, show up out of my house after a hard loss. It's easy to come to people's houses and celebrate after wins, but there was mm-hmm. tough times. You know, you just really don't want anybody around you except family. Well, Billy Finley was family, and he'd show up in those days. And those are things you never forget. Yeah. And uh, it's just so cool to see the consistent success and the sustained success that he's had. And it's so easy to cheer for a guy like that that does it the right way all the time. And I'll never forget, we helped each other through, through some really tough times in those early years at Iowa State. But that's why the bond's there forever when you when you experience those things. Well, one of my favorite things, Coach, is in uh, Coach Finley's office. He's got the program and a ticket from the first uh, – at the box score from his first game that he coached at Hilton Coliseum with the – attendance and it's like 243 people or something like that and I don't know if you even know this Brent and I get the honor to call some of their games on the radio and um, 
we 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 there we don't have the relationship with you with him that you do but we love that man i i would take a bullet for him and you you guys i always say coach uh, uh that bill finley like to me right now like if you look around like the cornerstone of that athletic department i mean he is iowa state now right do you, would you agree with that even with all the other stuff going no. on no doubt no doubt and they're they're just you just you just want that through it all that uh, you know there's a guy out there that just he he can hold people together. He can give everybody uh, if, if it's they're having a bad day. He'll help you have a better day. Um, the highs and lows. Uh, the everybody's healthy. We're going through an unbelievable, horrible pandemic right now. You're going to play. You're not going to play. There's going to be games. There's not going to be. You can coach. You can practice. You can't. Uh, uh, fans can come to games. Fan talk, fans can't come to games. Coaches come and go. Players come and go. Administrators come and go. But there's just this stability that's been there through it all. And uh, and, and I just hope and, and pray that the Iowa State people, I know they do, but I just hope they really appreciate what he's meant all these years um, to the young ladies that he coaches and the, and the people that have been around him, but to all the Iowa State fans, how much he's meant to the entire athletic department. Not only at Iowa State University, but to the state of Iowa. And as an Iowa native, I know that stuff. And there's a lot of things that, I, that I'm not real smart, but let me tell you something spending a half a century in the Midwest and most of those years other than the five years in Madison was in the state of Iowa. I know the best of the best in the state of Iowa and you build that loyalty. Uh, you know, Iowa people, this is, this is what you miss when I'm gone. You miss that loyalty. You miss the Iowa people, the people from the state of Iowa, this high character, high integrity, high integrity, unbelievable character. You know, and there's exceptions everywhere, but that's when people say, what's so special about the state of Iowa? What the hell is it about Iowa? It's those things that I mentioned, and guys like Bill Finley that just represent all those good things. How about this one, and I'll shut up. I get to wrestle for Dan Gable my freshman year at Iowa. He pulls me out of winter workouts. Uh, I said, Coach, he comes up. I, I had a 300-pounder on, on my back, uh, Ernie Roberson, of offensive lineman from Brooklyn, New York. We're going up and down the steps of the old field house. That was part of our winter workouts, not punishment, part of our conditioning. <laughs> he comes over, grabs me, goes, at the end of workouts, McCarney. Yeah, I said, hey, Coach, uh, what do you think about coming out for wrestling? I go, Coach, I can't wrestle for you. He goes, oh, I know about you. I'd like you to come out and work out with my heavyweight. So what the hell am I going to do? Say no to Dan Gable? He's going to kick my ass. <laughs> so I ended up going out as a freshman and stayed out that year as a freshman. And I wasn't worth a darn, but there was just this bond and, and, and respect that we built. And then I ended up getting a job at Iowa State. So I ended up, you know, I ended up playing at Iowa, uh, uh, coaching Coach at Iowa. Sure. All those years, we used to go have speaking engagements together. Lou Olson gave me, like 85, Bill Brazier. We go Bill Schneider, Barry Alvarez. And and uh, and Kurt Ferentz and had these incredible experiences together. But anyway, Gabe's uh, I brought him back a number of times when I was there at Iowa State to talk to him about Iowa State and what it takes to win. And that was such a joy. And then I just he's going to be presented with the Medal of Freedom, I think, uh, by the president right. here, which is so cool, so cool. I, I didn't know you had that wrestling back. I didn't either. That's uh, that's that's incredible. Oh yeah. Not worth a damn, but I was, uh, you know, I went football, wrestling, and track at Iowa City, City High. I knew that those things were good for my football, and I stayed out. And uh, my freshman year, I stayed with Gabe that year, and uh, and then we went on, and, and have had a great friendship ever since. And little did I know, I was going to be uh, coaching at Iowa. Little did I know, I was going right. to be coaching at Iowa. State. But uh, uh, you talk about a, a gem, and you talk about two two people that the state of Iowa should always be so proud of the claim, and that's Dan Gable and Billy Finley. Coach, um, 
I wanted to ask you, so I, I think another turning point for your program at Iowa State, and I know you would agree with me, is when you got Brett Meyer and Todd Blythe, uh, a couple of really highly touted in-state recruits to to commit to you. And it, it kind of coincided with when I got up to Iowa State and started following your program closely. You guys had the, the rebuilding year is what I would call it in 2003, um, where you had all sorts of youth. Stevie Hicks was a freshman. Uh, Aaron Brandt was a freshman yeah. at left tackle. Austin Flynn. Austin yeah. Flynn was your quarterback. He was a freshman. Yeah. And I, I kept hearing yeah. all season long about this scout team and – uh, Meyer and Blythe and, uh, you know, all the, all that, all that jazz. Um, 2004 was, uh, can you, can you walk me through the Flynn yeah. and Meyer? Cause I love Austin Flynn too. And I, I know how much you think of it. Austin Flynn's one of my all time favorite cyclones, but just the, what that dynamic was like having Austin out there in 2003, knowing Brett was coming and how those two kind of worked together to end up having a, a great career as yeah. Cyclones. Yeah. Great career. And it's it just, you know, Austin Flynn is one of those guys and, 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 and uh, Paul Rhodes and Matt Campbell have had some great examples since I've been gone, obviously of the most unselfish team oriented uh, guys that you could ever, ever think about or experience or be around or use as an example, uh, be the role model for other young players that come along and say, hey, you could be the next one of these guys. Because what's Austin Flynn want to do when we recruited him out of Deer Park High School down in Texas, want to be a quarterback. That's his position. That's what he played. That's what we brought him in to do. But to make that transition and, and say, listen, this is what's best for the team, and not only make the transition, but I think he ended up second team all Big 12, yeah. was a phenomenal receiver, goes right back to that family, his dad's Harold Flynn, his mom, the phenomenal family that uh, it's not about me, it's about us. What can I do what's best for the team? And if you can get that on your football team and have those examples and let it permeate through your football team, wow, you can really have a chance at success. And that's what happened because here's two of the most high-character guys I've ever been around. And I got 45 years in Division One football as a player and coach, part of winless team, part of a national championship, part of 20-some bowl games, four of the most tremendous turnarounds, Iowa, Wisconsin, Iowa State, North Texas, all bottom 10, all bowl championships and beyond after that. And here are two of the most high-character, classiest, high-integrity, team-oriented guys I was ever around. And Brett Meyer and Austin Flint, and you got to make it work. And if it does, then you got a chance to have some great games and have some real special times. And that's what we were able to do. But it all started with Austin Flint making that decision and, and buying into this is what's best for our football team. And it sure was a great example. That 2005 season, I I, I loved that team. I, I had so much fun watching it. But did you did you feel like that team was snake bit a little bit? I mean, when you when you look back at it, I was wondering what was you know, 15 years later, looking back at that team. Cause I mean, you guys were, you were seven and five, uh, but you could have really easily been 10 and two and in the holiday bowl, right? Like that. What, what do you, what do you remember about that season? Yeah. I mean, I, I remember uh, uh, it, was, it was one of my most enjoyable teams. I love those guys. Love the team. Um, you know, um, I was a top 10 team. Um, they come in with a really loaded football team. And, and uh, our guys were not to be denied. Um, they won and, and dominated the game, as you guys may remember. It was a phenomenal game. I remember going down to Texas A&M and, and on the field uh, before the game, um, their head coach was out and he was telling me about 
unbelievable support, and there's two indoor facilities, and I come to work, and there's presents for me all the time. The fans love me. They love us. They love A&M. Uh, here comes there's George Bush over there and his entourage and the whole people. Here comes the marching uh, military crew through there. And I'm thinking inside to myself, you know what? All that stuff doesn't matter. It's going to be my 11 and your 11. Uh, Dennis Francione was the head coach at the time. They had been at Alabama, had been at TCU, really successful coach. And you talk about taking somebody behind the woodshed and kicking <laughs> somebody back out. Yeah. I look up there. It's, it's, it's that place, one of the great, Kyle Field, one of the great atmospheres in, in all of college football. And it's late third quarter, early fourth quarter, and those damn fans are hauling butt out of the stadium now because <laughs> they're taking because Todd Blythe and Brett Meyer, Todd Blythe was named the National Offensive Player of the Week with four touchdown catches that day because they kept going man coverage, and I said, keep throwing him the ball. I'm not real smart. Throwing Todd Blythe the ball. He's going to make it a mismatch. And what a phenomenal day that was. But we would have loved to have won a couple more of those close games, as you guys mentioned. We were close to having that kind of team. But I'll always be proud of that team and the accomplishments yeah. and, and uh, the things that they did uh, throughout that season. The Tornado game is one of my all-time great yeah. Iowa State memories. What was that like waiting to kick off when the tornado sirens and everything? I mean, there was a damn tornado right over right over us at Jack Price Stadium that day. Right. Right. Now, we didn't know all that was going on. And, you know, there was there were some possible storms and thunderstorms. Okay, here we go. Boom, 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 boom. And, and uh, then there's a delay. And then Gary Barnett and I are over there talking. And, okay, let's do this. And let's do that. Little did we know, as you guys might remember, it wasn't like our fans all went home. No, no, all they, they did was go back. No, they went back up to the parking lots and drank some more and got juiced up. And, and, got, and tailgated their butts off and then came back and helped us get a phenomenal win over a nationally yeah. ranked Colorado team. And after the game, Gary Barnett came up to me and said, "Hey, Mac, let me tell you something. I don't know what kind of, I don't know what kind of contact you have, but somehow, some way, you got that damn tornado to come in here. Somehow, you." <laughs> I said, "No, nah, it wasn't a tornado, Gary. It was a cyclone." Uh, and, and we laughed, but it was a, a great day and a great victory. And I, I still see Brent Kirby running down that field with that, oh, scooping yeah. up that fumble and running way down the field, scoring a touchdown. Beautiful night for the Cyclones. Beautiful night for our fans. But it'll always go down because it was a unique setting. Uh, with a tornado that came through. And as you guys might remember, it touched down just blocks yeah. away, not very far away from Jack Trice Stadium. Yeah, I, I remember but I remember everything about that day. I remember the same Bowden Bowl was earlier that day. I watched it in the morning, and then we went over and tailgated, and I was one of those idiots drinking in the parking lot. And then I think Mason Crosby <laughs> almost broke the Jacobson building with one of his field goals uh, for Colorado. He was the Colorado kicker. Yeah, he had a huge leg, and I think he had the wind behind him that day. Mac, every year... Oh. Every year at Big 12 Media Days, I do a podcast, one of these, with Joel Klatt, um, who's with Fox now, who was the quarterback of that. That's and right. he, he still, to this day, Mac, everything that Joel Klatt's done says that that was one of the most painful losses of his career, just the way that whole thing went down. Yeah, I mean, they had a really good – they had high expectations. They were really talented. Um, but our, but we just wanted more. Our guys, you know, there, was, there was no doubt about it. They were ready to go. And you get – certain games and certain situations and it's it's just really cool and and i i I found out early in my career you know if if you do some real positive things you can be a rallying point for a whole university when they always talk about front porch to a university or athletic there's no doubt and when you get millions of people turn on televisions and they turn it on and see it and so those positive things those things is all all part of the legacy of that team that year even though we came up a little bit short in some close losses that year but so much fun, so many great memories, and that was one of my favorite games, too, that I got a chance to coach in at Iowa State. Yeah, Mac, just to take it full circle, I still I echo this 
this quote you had in your final press conference, and it, it rings in my head still to this day. And I think you, you, know, you said, you know, why not Iowa State? And I think that's something that Iowa State fans struggle with is, you know, they, they're all, we're almost too humble sometimes. They're like, oh, well, we're not Texas. We're not Oklahoma. You know, yeah. we're not Iowa. And, I mean, I, I really think that the success Iowa State, I mean, there's no question in my mind, the success Iowa State's had in the football field now is directly correlated to what you did in rebuilding Iowa State to, to where it could actually get to this place. And um, your relentless pursuit of, to get Iowa State – to that place where you're going to bowl games, you're winning bowl games, you're competing for championships, um, is is why we're here this day. And I mean that 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 just that quote still gets me to this to this day of of how important that was. Well, I, I believed it and I lived it, and it was hard to say goodbye to it after uh, investing as much as you do in those twelve years. But um, I loved Iowa State. I loved the people. Um, I, um, I, it was one of the great experiences and great honors in my whole life. It, I mean, it really was. It was amazing. And to, to do something and, and to try and bring people together, try to rally them, try to make, really, you put on that damn cycle gear, put it on with pride. Don't, don't put it on inside out. Don't put the hat on backwards where people can't see it. Put it on where people can see Iowa State. And then you have this unbelievable loyalty that you need to showcase Loyalty that's uncommon, loyalty that's unconditional, uh, uh, loyalty that's uncompromising. This amazing loyalty. Continue to show that uh, as you support these athletic teams, and specifically football, and you just never know what you can accomplish. And I see that with Matt Campbell. I see that because he's brought me back, and I've been in those meetings, and I've been at practice, and I've seen games, and I've been at bowl games. And you see that loyalty. Here's a guy, I don't want to change this up, here's a guy that calls me the first day on the job. Matt Campbell didn't know who the hell I was. And honestly, I didn't know much about him other than I knew he was in Toledo and doing a hell of a job. And he calls me out of nowhere. Well, there's this amazing loyalty. And for the first time, honestly, in all the years that I'd left Iowa State, he was making this incredible effort to bring my players back, to bring my staff back, to bring me back, to make us feel appreciated and respected for whatever we did in our years at Iowa State. And I'll never forget that. And I'll always appreciate it because it's meant so much to me. But that goes, it goes back to what you're saying. You know, I wanted people to respect Iowa State football. We're not going to be perfect, uh, but we're going to sure work and strive towards that. Uh, the world's full of would have been, could have been, should have been, might have been, all that stuff. Um, plant your feet, do something special, uh, be proud of who you are, and, and, and why not Iowa State? And all of a sudden, you see a team right now that I think is playing the best football in the Big 12 Conference over the last three weeks. We learned our lessons against a good Louisiana team. We got the special team straightened out. Um, we, we can coach and, and motivate and inspire with as good as, as coaching staff as there is in college football. I believe that under the leadership of Matt Campbell. But if, if, if nobody, if, if, if everybody looks back during the time that I was there and the era that I was there with all those great coaches and players and the things that we did, if they don't say anything else, if, if, if they just say, you know what, Matt wanted to bring – uh, success and pride and belief that we could do something special at Iowa State. If they, if that's all they ever say, I'll be a, a damn happy guy. I'll be really, really happy because that's what I really wanted. I wanted, I want the Iowa State fans to be proud of what we did, and so they could put on their Iowa State gear and they could wear it proudly and never doubt that we can't be something that could be really, really special. And you don't have to be second tier or third tier or a second uh, a step a step brother or step sister to anybody else. Be proud of who you are and what you are and uh, live it every day. And I, I really worked hard at trying to do that at the time that we were there. 
You certainly did, Coach. Um, before we let you go, I had one other fun topic I wanted to throw at you, and that is uh, Mike Leach. <laughs> I remember um, you have a classic line. Uh, you probably don't even remember saying it, but somebody asked you about Leach at a press conference, and your response was, oh, he's a dandy. He's a dandy. Um <laughs> <laughs> uh, wh- I I had a great actually it was a thrill for me on my radio show. Coach Leach came on uh, when the Cyclones played them a couple years ago. The in the bowl, bowl, right? Yeah, in the bowl game, which was a thrill for me. I'm a huge Mike Leach fan. What what's that guy like in private when there's no television? When maybe it's you and him sitting at a hotel at media days having a having a cold one. What what's Mike Le- Le- Leach like for a guy like you? Uh, just obviously his, his record speaks for itself what he's done and, and continuing to do but away from all that okay I remember year we play in the Houston Bowl I take my guys down there Nick Leaders uh, Brett Meyer let's see I'm trying to think who else those guys are, were down there we got media day if you guys remember they used to have media day wherever the Big 12 championship was being played yep. so I'm down there and I'm telling my guys wouldn't that be fun how about coming back down here in the Houston Bowl this year they're going to put on I said that stadium is first class. It's an NFL stadium. Wouldn't that be fun? That'd be great. We're sitting there talking to my guys. Here comes Leacher, the last one to come in, the last one to come waltzing in. And we're sitting there talking a little bit, and uh, I'm leaving there, and I'm going right back because I got staff meetings and everything. I said, you, re- you ready to rock and roll with your staff? He goes, ah, not yet, Mac. I said, what are you talking about? He says, well, me and the wife are going. We're going to Key West. We're going to go down on vacation. I said, like right now? He goes, oh, yeah, like right now. I said, how long? He goes, uh, I think about seven or eight days. <laughs> ready for, we're all wired up with the seasons upon us. He's getting ready to go down to Key, Key West. West for seven or eight days. My wife, Margie, and I go on a Nike trip because Nike's been so incredible to us. And it started back at, at we really didn't have a shoe deal in Iowa State. We got hooked in with Nike and all those people, and they're incredible. And and they they start bringing 20 to 25 coaches and and uh, and their wives on a trip, all expenses paid, amazing. Um, so we've been been able to go on some incredible trips um, with, with these phenomenal coaches and all the Nike brass and all those people. So we're on our first trip down in Mexico, and I got through working out. And uh, Margie and I played tennis with Urban and Shelly Meyer, and uh, I come back and right over by this waterways, we're right on the water there. Somebody comes up out of the water there, out of the ocean, and he looks like Lloyd Bridges and Sam Seadip. I don't know if you remember that's before yeah, your time, Rob. Yeah. That used to be a big show. Lloyd Bridges and Seadip. Here it is. He's got the flip shoe. He's got the big flip shoe uh, uh, things on his feet. He's got the snorkel. He's got glass, and it's Mike Leach. I said, what the hell? What are you doing? He said, well, I heard there's some fish in this water. I wanted to go look at some fish. Oh, <laughs> he's got the snorkel. I'm trying to find some fish by himself. I'll never forget it. But in the Big 12 meetings, we always went to the Broadmoor in Colorado Springs. Phenomenal place. I don't know if they still do that. That's where we went every May, every year. Incredible five-star place. Head football, head men's basketball, head women's basketball, athletic directors, all the bowl people, all the television people who would always walk in last and late. And we're meeting with ADs. We're in meetings with our ADs. Who would walk in last? and not care about it, have blue jeans and a T-shirt on, he wasn't trying to impress anybody, and walk over and get him about three cups of coffee and not get shook about anything, Mike Leach. <laughs> and uh, just oh, a phenomenal guy, phenomenal coach. And college football is so much better, guys, because we got Mike Leach, Leach coaching, no yeah. doubt about it. I'm excited to watch him in the SEC. I, I Mac, I've become quite the uh, Big 12 historian. I, I 
that I've really just been fascinated by, you know, Mike Leach, Art Bryles, seven on seven in Texas, and just how it's not really for a while it changed the Big Twelve, and now it's really it's infiltrated into the NFL and whatnot. And I every year I hear about how terrible these Big Twelve defenses are, and I, I'm I can't wait to see when Leach gets you know his system installed there at Mississippi State. I mean, we've seen it a little bit already, but I. Watching him against those SEC powers is is going to be a thrill. I I I'm a, I want a front row seat for that one. How do you think that turns out? Oh, oh I do too, no doubt about it. And we stay in touch. And the funny thing, he'll ask, he'll text after he got he got after LSU, and I texted him. You know, he's got a thousand things and people, and what the hell, you got to take time to text me back. It's the night of the victory, text me back. He goes, "Hey Matt, how you doing? Tell me about that retirement stuff." <laughs> <laughs> He just likes to hear about it. He's not close to doing that. Yeah. Whatever I talk to, he always wants to know about what do you do with all your time? Do you stay busy? You get a chance to drink a beer now and then. Do you go see friends? Do you go see family? Tell me about that retirement stuff. So, in the back of that brilliant mind, he's still thinking about when he gets to go down to Key West and stay there all year round. Beautiful. Mac, this has been a yeah. thrill for, for myself and Brent. Uh, we, like I said, we're long admirers of you and. Uh, being guys who are really close to Iowa State now, just appreciate the the foundation that you laid. And uh, I actually, I know Brent and I have talked about this. We want to we want to tell those stories. I mean, I, I remember um, going my freshman year, two thousand three, to the lead rec center, and all of a sudden the football team was practicing underneath me. On and I was like, that's where they practice. Like, it tell those you know yeah. tell those stories because we want to make sure that the younger generation of Iowa State fans knows where. We came from. Yeah, yeah. knows where this came from. And just hearing you, the living legend, uh, tell these stories, I mean, I, you're going to inspire a lot of people with this. So we thank you so much for your time, sir. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. Great. You guys have been first class in Iowa State. real lucky to have you a part of that, uh, covering them and the media and the interviews and staying on top of it. And I've been around, like all walks of life, there's real half-ass and there's real average and then there's real elite. I mean it sincerely, guys. Both of you are really elite and keep up the good work. Um, I, I remember saying this to my team, and, and um, in a sad way, um, I thought that it meant an awful lot to one of my players. Um, but I, I think if you get everybody to kind of buy into this, and I sure see this with Matt Campbell's team right now, and I'll shut up and, and let us go. But um, I always told my guys, you know, try to forget yourself or others so others will never forget you. Mm-hmm. And if you get that, that's easy to say. It's an easy little simple thing, but it's hard to live it. It's really hard to forget yourself or others so others will never forget you. And I think we built that at Iowa State. And Chris Love, as you guys remember, uh, tragically lost his life um, uh, with blood cancer. Right. Phenomenal young man. Great team guy. Didn't get to play as much as he wanted from Round Rock, Texas. Uh, just a beautiful person. Just great guy. Um, and I remember going down to his funeral and and right nearby there on a, on a placard, they had that over by Chris with his Iowa State jersey and his high school jersey. Forget yourself or others so that others will never forget you. And uh, I think I, I, that's one of those things I think we built. I think it's really alive and well, whether it's used, those words are used with Matt and his staff. You sure see that. And it gives me so much pride. It makes me feel so good when I watch the Cyclones every time out right now because you just see those guys that really believe in one another and have that great team concept alive. And it's sure fun to cheer for the Cyclones these days. So thanks for all that you guys do. It's, it's been an honor for me and, and really enjoyable to go back and remember some of the greatest years of my life. Well, Mac, and I, and I mean this, buddy, um, 
you got my number now, and you always got a voice here. If you ever, if you ever watching a Cyclone game or anything, uh, you can reach thousands of Cyclone fans just a text, and we'll we'll put you on and uh, chat with you at any time. All right, my man. Good guys, take care. Appreciate everything. Have Thank, a good time. Thanks, Mac. Thank you, sir. Wow. I'm uh, to steal a line from the great Fred Hoiberg, ready to go run through a brick wall. Man, the guy, it just incredible. Incredible all the way around. To hear him uh, get choked up a yeah. few times. It and got, like, got me a couple times. It did me too. To, and I remember um, a lot of those times when, you know, things were pretty tough. And um, and I know about the Bill Finley. Really, he got really choked up when talking about Coach Finley. There's just so much history there, guys. And I... I meant what I said to Mac Bloom, and we've talked about it. I, I think there needs to be an effort on our part. Yes. Uh, and, and I don't know, maybe we can ask for th- some help from our listeners, like ideas, but we need to be chronicling these things uh, for the younger generation. I hope the younger generation appreciates it. I think that they do. But that man is a living legend, and we just got an hour of his time, and it was awesome. I'm just kind of speechless. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's things that you hear about, um, but to hear him tell it now, 25, 20, 15 years later, and how much you can tell Iowa State still means to that guy. Like that guy, yeah. his life's work was invested in getting Iowa State out of where it was to what it, where it is now and how proud he is, you know, from afar of what Iowa State is. He's not, he could be bitter. He could be super bitter. Yeah. And I don't know if anybody ended. would blame him. No, absolutely not. But um, he's just. It's just first class. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm just kind of speechless. It was, uh, that was, as long as we've been doing this, that was probably the, one of the highlights I've had in broadcasting. I would agree. Thanks to our sponsors, uh, Soup Cup Manufacturing, for always bringing us the summer series. Um, this is perfect for a bye week. I hope you guys were, I don't know, if you're out in the yard or one of our great farmers um, out there combining and the you know, harvest season's going on, I, I hope that this helped kill an hour and uh, brought some positivity to your life in a really odd time. Bloom, thank you, man. Yeah, could have done you. it without you. Uh, man. Your, your historical on Iowa State is second to none. I could, uh, man, we could have had that go five more hours and well, we might we just might I, do that i have know. a feeling that uh mac and we've kind of rekindled this relationship here and i have a feeling this might not be the last time you guys have heard from mac i'm for it all right uh he's brent bloom my name's chris williams thanks to the great Dan McCarney for his time have a great weekend everybody